Hello, and welcome back to Video Oncology Podcasts. In this enlightening episode recorded during the IWCAR team meeting in Scottsdale, Arizona, join Vivek Nararian from the University of Pennsylvania, Saul Priceman from City of Hope, and Nicholas Zorko from the University of Minnesota, as they discuss the use of cell therapies in GU malignancies, with a particular emphasis on prostate cancer and urothelial cancer. Great, so we're here at the IWCAR-T meeting in Scottsdale, Arizona, and uh, my name is Vivek Narayan from the University of Pennsylvania. I'm joined by colleague Saul Priceman from the City of Hope and Nicholas Zorko from the University of Minnesota, and we just had a nice panel discussion about the use of cell therapies in genitourinary malignancies. So we're going to have a follow-up discussion on that now, and um, maybe I'll start with with Nick, if that's okay. Um, you know, you talked uh, very nicely about the use of NK cell therapies in GU malignancies, including both prostate cancer and urothelial cancer. Um, and you talked a lot about some of the um, potential advantages of using NK cell therapy. Could you perhaps speak to some of the challenges that we also face with using NK cells as a, a potential adoptive cell therapy approach, um, mainly in reference to some of the issues with potential persistence and manufacturing? Okay, yeah, that's a great question. And I think those are questions that we're actively investigating as well in the NK cell world. One of the questions is, do we get good infiltration um, in a, particularly in bone for prostate cancer. We, we don't know, we don't have an answer to that question right now. And so we are, while we're very proud of our NK cells and we're very interested in the safety sides of it, we're, we're, there's a lot of unanswered questions. So it makes it a great spot to be in, in terms of a researcher. But I think with the unknowns, there could be a lot of barriers to that. Persistence is another thing as well with the engineering. You know, there are a lot of off the shelf NK products. So they have shown that you can use um, allogeneic NK cell products, even if they're not induced pluripotent derived NKs. But there are differences with the engineering. What is going on with the engineering? Is there any neoantigens that are being introduced as well that may make those NK cells a better target for the immune system after, after there's immune reconstitution? And you talked about the, the trike product that um, is being evaluated, and which, I, if I recall correctly, is incorporating expression of IL-15. Um, can you speak to maybe the biology of that and how IL-15 may also help some of the some of the challenges that we're facing with NK cells? Yeah. So the trike is um, it's a single molecule that has a CD16 engager, IL-15, and then an antigen engager. We have numerous antigen engagers we're working on right now. Um, the one in particular that we're interested for GU malignancies is B7H3. And the goal of this is to simulate the NK cell, so binding CD16, which is the strongest stimulator of NK cell function, but also providing a cytokine signal as well. And by providing that cytokine signal more specifically to the NK cells, we, we have seen previously that there is increased NK cell number and then also in, increased NK cell persistence. So that was in a CD33 targeting trike that we used for AML and mastocytosis, but we believe that that same effect will happen for our solid tumor uh, driven trike or our solid tumor um, geared trikes. Maybe so I'll ask you a question now. I know you've spent many years thinking about uh, T cell therapy and, and cancers, including prostate cancer. Um, tell me what you think, just maybe more of a general question. What are like, if you had to pick the main challenges we face in prostate cancer as a disease with trying to use adoptive T cell therapy? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, it really spans the solid tumor field and not just prostate cancer, of course, but with the predominance of bone metastatic disease, um, and Nick brought this up, but um, 
but trafficking to bone is very different than trafficking to other sites, which is a major challenge for prostate cancer. Um, but prostate cancer, much like a couple of other cancer types, is immunologically cold. There is really no uh, inflammatory response uh, promoting an anti-tumor effect in, in prostate cancer. Um, and so how do we engineer T cells that, that actually want to migrate to the tumor to have activity in the presence of this immunologically cold environment? So those, um, those challenges we face. We also, at the moment, are treating advanced stage disease, which we know is heterogeneic by nature, um, following a, a number of standard of care therapies that these patients see, including androgen uh, receptor signaling inhibitors, um, which poses a major challenge of what, what target antigen to go after that selectively encompasses the prostate cancer enough to generate a, a therapeutic response. And maybe just building on that a little bit, um, especially related to the immune microenvironment and some of the challenges in prostate cancer, I think you know one of the questions that always comes up is how do we best utilize things like lymphodepletion chemotherapy and solid tumors and specifically prostate cancer. And so you presented some really nice data about um, you know sort of look, look, evaluating what lymphodepletion chemotherapy is doing in the context of the immune microenvironment. So could you maybe just briefly summarize what your findings were? And then I guess, you know, how can we therapeutically target some of those changes that you observed? Yeah, yeah. so we evaluated the current uh, landscape of lymphodepleting chemotherapy, which is really cyclophosphamide and fludarabine. Um, the, the field really took what we learned in the hematologic malignancy space in, in what would be required for T cells to find space once infused uh, and get the homeostatic cytokines that would enable better activity of those infused products and took it to all of our solid tumors. Uh, and so we evaluated cyclophosphamide and what, what it was doing. In addition to the lymphodepleting properties, it clearly had a microenvironment effect in prostate tumors uh, and rewired uh, sort of the chemokine milieu uh, and uh, converted some of the myeloid macrophage populations that were suppressive to more pro-inflammatory, which was of benefit to the CAR T cells, clearly preclinically. Pre but I think the jury is out still what lymphodepleting chemotherapy would, will be required for solid tumors, including prostate cancer. And I think we've just sort of scratched the surface. There should really be a systematic attempt to understand what agent, lymphodepleting or not, would be beneficial in the context of solid tumor CAR T-cell therapies, and we haven't done that really uh, to date. And maybe Nick, coming back to you, um, you know, Saul brought up the point of what is the what are the uh, optimal target antigens for cell therapy? Um, certainly, a number have been evaluated in solid tumors, including prostate cancer. You know, some of your work is looking at a relatively novel antigen for cell therapy, so B7H3. Um, could you maybe speak to some of the advantages of B7H3, and I guess you know, some of the data about what its expression is in prostate cancer, especially across the, the disease and different phenotypes of the disease? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, I think it's, it's, we believe it's a great target here. It's, it's particularly elevated in prostate cancer itself, even compared to normal prostate. And one of the other questions has been about toxicity. If we have a normal marker, you know, the equivalent of PD-1, PD-L1, something along that pathway, what other, what other organs are going to have toxicity? With that, it seems to be relatively low, low expressed at the protein level in most other normal tissues. There's some elevation, I believe, in the testes and then in Kupfer cells, macrophages, in the liver. 
which was, I think it was macrogenics that had some liver toxicity that led to the CD, CD3, B7H3 engager to be, to, be, uh, to be closed on that. So there are some toxicity risks for it, but it seems to be relatively restricted to tumor, particularly or to tumor relative to normal tissue. And um, I think even Eugene Shenderoff recently published a paper with enoblutuzumab, and there were, relative, there were very few toxicities in that overall. So uh, pointing towards B7H3 being a great target, I think. Yeah, and if I could just maybe um, add a little bit on that, I know that there's been some data that's been presented about uh, B7H3 really being highly expressed across the landscape of prostate cancer clinical stages and uh, appears to be associated with a sort of AR-driven uh, prostate cancer, um, which you know raises, again, I think some of the limitations we may think about with PSMA and other antigens about you know, some of the more neuroendocrine variants of prostate cancer and what, what are the optimal targets to uh, go after in that phenotype of the disease. Um, but so certainly I think both of you are highlighting that there's a lot of promise, but still a lot of unanswered questions in cell therapy for GU cancers, including prostate cancer. So look forward to more discussion and more work from both of you. Thank you. Thanks, Vivek. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by VJ Oncology. If you've enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe to our weekly podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at VJ Oncology and stay up to date on the latest news in oncology by visiting vjoncology.com.